0: listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast.
1: This episode of the Traditional Outdoors Podcast is sponsored by Great Northern Bow Company. At Great Northern Bow Company, they design and build every bow with you in mind and with respect for the long and noble hunter-gatherer lineage we are all connected to. They build hunting bows, bows designed to make you the very best bow hunter you can be. How do they do it? By paying attention to what really matters in a bow, stability, smoothness of draw, reliability, performance, refined design, and by using carefully selected materials. Their bows have an understated beauty and refinement of appearance that will make them hold their appeal for a lifetime, and they still build their bows one at a time by hand. So consider making your next custom bow a great northern bow, and in the meantime, be sure to check out their website at gnbco.com. Welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Angel, and I'm joined tonight by my good friend, Mr. Nick View. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I cannot wait to get into this tonight's episode. I can't either. Um, you know, it was uh, we've had a kind of interesting week in between you've had tons of snow I've had tons of rain. We had the MLA banquet. I've been traveling for work and so forth, but I have, must admit, I've been really excited about uh, tonight's episode and our guest. And tonight joining us uh, is Miss Karen Campbell. How are you doing tonight, Karen?
2: I'm awesome. How are you,
1: Steve? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. So, for, for everybody listening, uh, a few weeks ago when we recorded with Jay, we wrapped up that recording, and, and right after, Karen uh, came over and was, was working with us to, to get the recording uh, exported, and she was helping us get it uploaded to Google Drive, and we started talking, and the next thing we know, we have got a, a new guest lined up, and I'll be honest, I've I just been really looking forward to this ever since. Uh, we recorded to Jay, and I think Nick was just saying just a few minutes ago that really Jay was just a means of getting to you. <laughs>
2: <So>. <laughs> well, thank you.
1: <laughs> so, Karen, you, we, we, uh, we have had uh, one other female, uh, uh, Tracy Bolowski, was on with her husband, David. We actually recorded them when we were at uh, the Compton's Traditional Hunters Rendezvous back last June, but you are our first solo female guest. I am honored. We're honored to have you. Absolutely. So Karen, we I'll be honest, you know there's there's quite a few topics we want we want to dive into tonight, but uh, you know, I really would like to know uh, knowing what I do know about the, the things that you've done in the in the outdoors. Uh, obviously, since you met Jay, I'd like to know you know, were you active in the outdoors prior to meeting Jay? Or did that come about, you know, after you and Jay were introduced?
2: I I really, I really wasn't. Um, I grew up um, going camping, riding horses, whatever, but nothing very regular. Uh, The whole, uh, I was 43 when Jay and I got together and I, he started with the bow thing and being out every day, every week, every weekend, sometimes for weeks, tramping through the woods and the desert and wherever, that was very new for me.
1: So what about, uh, so I'm guessing, you know, the traditional bow also came obviously uh, after after you met Jay, what was really the the catalyst for you picking up the traditional bow? Was it just watching Jay, or was it something else that drove you to that?
2: So, so we got together in our later lives. Um, uh, I was forty three, and he was fifty two, and uh, he was out of town, and a very long, thin package arrived from UPS and I called him. I'm like, what's this? He said, oh, I had I had Captain Eric make you a bow. I was like, what's a bow? <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about his lifetime of bow hunting and uh, he taught me everything. Everything. And that's how it happened. And we had a home in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and a home a, a house at the ba- at the foot of the Sandia Mountains and we had about a our backyard was 40 yards long and we could shoot in our backyard, 40 yards. So, that was my introduction and I sucked. <laughs> I can't even tell you. I must have had to try, oh gosh, it was 20 or something tries before the arrow actually flew in front of me. <laughs> it was so <laughs> bad. It was so bad. I was so bad at it. Um, but I got better.
1: Well, you obviously you obviously loved it because I know uh, just from you know, just from reading Jay's book and we're going to talk, we're going to, we're going, we really got to stop talking about Jay. He's had his turn, Yes. <laughs> um, but, but from, from, you know, from reading his book, I know you've been, you've been successful hunting small game uh, and I'm sure I'll forget something, but uh, hogs, uh, alligators. Yes. And, and even uh, Australian water buffalo, which I really want to get in to talk to, to you a lot about, but okay. you know, from, from all of that, and was there, is there anything I missed? Have you hunted anything besides those what four?
2: No. We, um, I mean, my, my, my biggest experience actually is tromping through the, floor, the central Florida hunting hogs and pigs, which, because we don't like to stand, it's not our deal to sit in a stand. We have done that, but that wasn't our favorite. So we like to walk on the ground, which is how we ended up with the the buffalo, Um, but the alligator thing was, wow, also. And I spent much, oh gosh, much time um Because we were in New Mexico, we would just leave our home and walk out into the desert with our bows and look for jackrabbits. And if there weren't any jackrabbits, you just went for the cactus. <laughs> just to practice. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I can't imagine stumping cactuses, so what? Honestly, and I might sound like a complete newbie when I say this, but I've never even really had much experience with a cactus. What's that like? <laughs> stumping with cactus when
2: you are when you are very new to bow hunting. A um, so in New Mexico, there's a lot of the uh, cactus with the big flat leaves. The, the I don't know if "leaves" is the correct term. The big flat. Uh, plates and they make great targets as you're walking so if you're moving along and you don't see any jackrabbits which there are a lot of you can practice your target shooting just by picking a a cactus flat and trying to put your air right through it so
0: is that one of those things where you're like hey i wonder uh I wonder what, what what this arrow will do to this cactus, or what kind of sound it makes when an arrow hits a cactus. I'm going to shoot it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know. But remember, I was very new. <laughs> I was very new to this, so you know, instead of standing still and shooting a a target, I could shoot it at, at a cactus while I was walking. So
1: very cool. So, um, in all the hunts that you've done. What uh, what hunt stands out to you in your mind as your your most memorable and and why?
2: Well, it's sort of a toss up between alligator and a moment in the buffalo hunt. So I don't quite know how to choose. But if I had to choose, um, I would say. Uh, after after I took my, sh- my successful shot at my buffalo, um, there was about a 40-minute racing in sock feet through the outback, tracking my buffalo, because I did not have a perfect shot. Um, I did take it down with one arrow, but it bolted, and we had to race after it, and... Um, There's a whole story there. But a very close second was standing on the front of a hoverboat on the Kissimmee River at 2 a.m. with my bow at half draw, and the captain had his headlamp scanning the river in front of us. And so, in the pitch black, when When there's that headlamp, the gators, just their, you know, the tips of their nose and their eyes are above the water and their eyes glow red. When the headlamp crosses and you're up there on the front of the boat and that light is sweeping left, you know, back and forth, left to right, and there's hundreds of pairs of eyes and you're just kind of like oh so i don't know which was more (laughs) More. well so
1: let's let's talk a little bit about both of them so um i know i know a little bit about your buffalo hunt but now for the for the alligator what uh were you hunting with the same with the same bow that you were hunting with for your uh buffalo hunt or was that too far before the buffalo Uh,
2: so the gator is a very different bow um not a fancy bow the captain we used for our gator hunt um, had a big hover boat. And you actually, you choose your gator by how wide apart their eyes are. <laughs> so it's very Amityville, you know, horror thing. So there's these red, there's these, I can't even tell you. So you, all of a sudden you're out there in the middle of the night and, you know, And there's these pairs of red eyes, and so the further apart the eyes are, the bigger the gator is. And, you you know, you want a six-plus-foot gator at least, right? So the captain's, you know, trying to get you something like that. And these gators in Florida let the boat get fairly close Um, And each gator is different, so um, we, we kind of got, were able to get, I had a very lucky shot with my gator, let's just say. But it was hours and hours of standing on the bow of a hover boat at half draw, waiting for our guide to say, go ahead and take a shot. And, um, and there's just glowing red eyes everywhere, (laughs) everywhere, everywhere you look glowing red eyes. So it was amazing. Would
0: would that, would you say that's your, the creepiest hunt you've ever had? uh,
2: Yes. Yes. (laughs) If, if you use the word creepy, that is creepy. (laughs) We uh we actually had done this once before. Jay is the first time we did this thing. It was Jay's gator hunt. And then about a month later, we went out for me. And um, there were a lot more pairs of red eyes when we were out with me. <laughs> and so, yes, it was it was creepy and i think back on it and i'm like oh my god if he had to put on the stops i would have just like toppled over the front Then uh, and they finally got to where where someone was holding on there were only 5 of us on the hovercraft and and someone was holding on to me they were so convinced i was going to fall over the front
0: man that sounds that sounds treacherous <laughs> steve and i had steve and i have had similar situations that really? were perilous like that really? and creepy <laughs> with, uh, with, with, Not possum, with, with, with possums. A possum? <laughs> and armadillos.
2: <laughs> hey, I was, I was stopped by a raccoon. So, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, it was really angry at me because I missed it like twice. And so it turned around and came after me. I was like, Jay, what do I do? He said, I think you should run. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This this sounds like an episode of Swamp People. I'm yes. just gonna say that right now. I,
2: I totally agree. <laughs> so so how
1: Whoa. how big was the how big was the gator that you took?
2: Mine mine was oh gosh probably about seven feet. It was not enormous, but it wasn't tiny. Um, and uh, oh god, so so we end up. I was very fortunate and my my arrow went in exactly the right place and of course it was in the water and there's the whole refraction issue so I got fortunate in the dark and my gator was completely stunned so close to the boat we pulled it in and it didn't Start thrashing till we had it about halfway up, because <laughs> they always wake up. Alligators are prehistoric. They, oh my god, it's crazy. And uh, we got him halfway into the boat, and he started thrashing. But usually they're thrashing out in the water. So he was about yeah six or seven feet, something like that. Though. So we get back to the dock hours and hours later <laughs> and we took the tail for Jay and I. Because we never hunt anything we don't think we're gonna eat. We we're very we we're very adamant about that. We don't trophy hunt. We do something, we do it maybe once because we want to say we did it but we don't so we so we take this alligator tail back to south tampa our house in south tampa and we hang it in our parking garage in south tampa <laughs> and our neighbors were so not happy <laughs> <laughs> they were really not happy <laughs> so yeah so we we learned all about trying to you know get the meat out of an alligator tail. Uh, yeah, under our parking garage in South Tampa. Yeah, we we weren't very popular right about then.
1: So you well, did never you, did you like it? Pardon? Did you like the alligator? Meat?
2: Uh, not our own, uh, though. As we, I mean, we traveled a lot in Florida and South Florida and through the Everglades. So we had a lot of alligator, but our own, I don't think I, I'm not a very good cook. Let's put it that way.
0: Well, you and uh, you and Jay ate raccoon once, didn't you though? Oh yes. I, I mean, is it, how is it compared to raccoon?
2: Much better. <laughs> and that's really uh, like you were saying, kind of a Jay story Because he and the other two cooks at our hunting lease in the middle of Florida, (coughs) excuse me, got into a battle uh, because everyone said you can't make raccoon edible. I mean, really edible. So all the three cooks, you know, had a battle about it. And uh, I don't think anybody really won. (laughs) It was... No, I think
0: I recall them all losing it.
2: Yes, me. yeah, it was <laughs> it was it was pretty bad all the way around. But but we have pictures that that make it look like it worked well, you know. So.
0: Yeah, I actually heard I don't know if people eat Gator in like nuggets or or what. I've heard of like Gator nuggets. Oh, in That's Florida,
2: it. in Florida, in South Florida, <laughs> you can order Gator Gator in um uh, I don't want to say every restaurant, but any. What am I trying to say? The the little hole in the wall places that have all the best food. You can order gator. You know, and they hmm. they do. They make it like uh, it, it's like little um, bits, gator bits. You can. Dip it in yeah,
1: yeah. Gator bites. You can
2: dip it in something. You don't order a gator sandwich. You order gator bits. You know, and <laughs> you can dip it in your Thousand Island dressing or your ranch dressing or whatever.
1: You you can eat just about anything if you've got ranch it, dressing or kids. Uh, you know, there you go. <laughs> but there you go. My my oldest daughter when she was I don't know she was probably thirteen or fourteen uh, was on vacation with us and ordered gator bites. And you know, she said they were good, but I don't really believe she she thought they were good. She was just bound and determined she wasn't going to prove us <laughs> wrong, so she ate them. But I never saw her. I never saw her order them twice. So I guess it may be a maybe it's an acquired taste,
2: or it's a texture. So I live here in the Bahamas. I don't like conch, and everyone in the world likes conch, and they make conch bits, and I don't like it. So.
1: I don't like it either. I
2: think it's, it's like too much ball. Yeah.
0: I didn't even know people ate that.
2: Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They do Man. a lot, like too much, <laughs> too much weight.
1: <laughs> well, Garrett, I'll be honest. I'm I'm dying to get into uh, more about your 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 buffalo hunt. So uh, I say we we kind of shift gears a little bit and and get into that. Uh, you know, Nick and I have obviously read the book. Um, and I know a lot of our listeners has, has, have as well, but, you know, from, from your perspective, and we heard some of this from Jay's perspective, but really I'd like to hear it from, from your perspective, you know, tell us how it, how it came about that you were actually going to be hunting Cape Buffalo or, or excuse me, Australian (laughs) water buffalo, uh, with Jay.
2: Um, Jay got sick. He had cancer. He had a terrible surgery, Um, and we had only been together uh, a year and a half when he was diagnosed, you know, in our later lives, and um, I was, I had just, I mean, six months into the whole bow thing. When we got together I didn't know anything about Jay's history of his lifetime of bow hunting I didn't know and now a year later uh, he's diagnosed with this horrible cancer and we have a surgery and he's recovering so in Jay's previous life he was a friend of E Donald Thomas Don Thomas who's a known bow hunter fly fisherman, author, uh, he's a, a physician. So he he had, I didn't realize at the time, um, before, before all this happened, he was always trying to get Jay to go to Melville Island to do this hunt with the Australian water buffalo. Um, and Jay... Uh, had always turned him down saying I won't go if, because Karen can't go because women can't hunt water buffalo because they can't pull a bow heavy enough to get through their ribs um, so he was always turning it down so Don Thomas called him a couple of months after maybe one month after the surgery I don't know it was, it was difficult at the time and said, "I, I have the the company that had the the guide company that has the contract on the island, has agreed that has allowed me. I will vouch for Karen. I will personally guide her. So, um, he said, I have patients who need something to look forward to, and I think you need something to look forward to. So." how about we plan this buffalo hunt for about a year from now and you get Karen ready and you get her gear ready and you make sure and you get yourself ready and we'll all go because they said I can guide her. Um, So when Jay... It mentioned it to me as his eyes lit up and we'd just been through this horrible medical experience and I hadn't seen that light in his eyes for months so of course I said absolutely so so I had only picked up a bow like a year before or something like that and I was saying sure I'll go I'll go to Australia and you know shoot a water buffalo I had no idea what I was saying <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> i really didn't um but i thought i could do anything and i would do anything for jay day absolutely anything and i had met i knew don and laurie thomas um at this point i'd met them many times and so i thought this was the most wonderful uh, uh carrot to be hanging in front of our faces and um and yet, I didn't realize what that meant. But that's how it happened, and um, and then it actually happened.
1: <laughs> so, so to set the stage here a little bit, so you had actually only been shooting a traditional bow for. A little over a year when this when this hunt opportunity came.
2: Yes. around. Yes, um, I was 43. We got together. Like I said, you know, this long narrow package showed up. I'd been to a few uh, archery events in Florida, um, and Don had showed up, and I I I just I was failing miserably because I I literally had. Picked up a bow three months before the first time I went to my first archery event. At the point, I'd been, I was getting better. I was getting better. I was practicing. Um, And when Don made this offer, it was about a year later. I was getting stronger. Uh, My first bow that Jay had made by Captain Eric was probably... Gosh, it's hard to remember the numbers um, 33 or 36 pound bow and I think after a mm-hmm. year um, I was at about I think I moved up to a 40 or 42 or 43 pound hummingbird um, when all of a sudden this thing happened uh, and everything became very important.
0: Man, that is absolutely remarkable. I mean, just just going back to when I started, I mean, so I spent, you know, I hunted right away. But I mean, I only, you know, and that learning curve was tough and I shot a lot. Um, but I mean, I only, it took me like three years to hunt anything but whitetails in places I knew You know, I didn't even try turkeys for four years. So to think, you know, you did, and part of the reason is I didn't know if I could hit them or not. You know, that was part of it. And just learning how to do that to start out and struggle with it and be shooting a somewhat light bow and then hearing all this stuff about Buffalo and how heavy and how women can't do it and all this stuff. And then for you to just you know, like a year and some months after learning how to say, oh, we're going to go to Australia and do this, shoot this animal. And by the way, you need to jump up like 40 pounds on your bo- <laughs> on your bow. And that's crazy to, well, for most people to grasp.
2: It, well, and, and it was crazy for them to grasp. And if I, I you know, now I'm older uh, by, what, 15 years. Um, I think back and... So when I, I said, oh, hell yes, I'll go for this, I, um, I did not realize what I was getting myself into. On the other hand, I thought I could do anything, you know, I, it, it's like because I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care... And I didn't know there were people out there that would think anything anyway. Um, Facebook didn't exist. The the Internet was 15 years ago. So Jay was on chat rooms and he was active on them because he he was buying me these bows. I went through, I must have gone, it's not in the book because... It's not always interesting. I must have gone through 20 bows, um, working my way up and, and figuring out what was right for me and what wasn't and what, what was more powerful. And Jay was building my arrows. He, initially he was just buying them and I broke, you can't even imagine, I couldn't hit a target. Oh my God, I was sending arrows <laughs> Hitting, I, I destroyed thousands of arrows, I, I can't even tell you, thousands of arrows and then I got into the heavier range and Jay was building and he was he was working with all of Dr. Ashby's um, physics and stuff and he was talking to him and he was on the chat rooms looking for advice and suggestions and just sharing our experiences. And every day I was out there shooting 100 or 150 or 200 arrows, and it got bigger as the days went by. And um, we were learning as we went along, and Jay would spend days and days building me a set of 24 arrows, and I would destroy all of them in an hour (laughs) it was it was crazy but for these animals you needed these really heavy uh my when we went to australia my arrows and and jays but my arrows were a thousand twenty grain and all that weight was right at right behind the broadhead I mean you could balance it on your finger literally right behind the broadhead and he had layered inside these hollow shafts were like three or four layers weighted down towards the broadhead he was building these things and and I was just destroying them (laughs) at an alarming rate. You're
0: destroying two for every one. Too, yeah, you know, we the- had
2: the chronometer <laughs> and I'm shooting it because you want a slow, heavy arrow. F equals MA and you needed F to be really a big number. And in this situation with these animals, they, their skin was one and a half inches thick. Just their skin, it was crazy. And their ribs overlapped. And if you didn't hit them right in the heart, it, was, it didn't work. We'll give it a second. And um, the way the rules are there, if you injured one of these enormous beasts and it ran off, you would spend all the rest of your paid hunt tracking that one down because you were not allowed to leave an injured animal running around. So that was the rule. Which is why they, you know. Anyway, different conversation. They spend a whole day just teaching you about about the animals, but yeah, it it was crazy building up to this, and I my martial arts, um, all my years of that, were wonderful because I knew what muscle pain was. Um, as opposed to actual, an actual injury and it didn't bother me at all. But I have to say, I built up some really amazing pecs. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So Karen, as far as, as far as I know, and I actually asked Jay about this when we were, when we were recording with him a couple of weeks ago, uh, as far as anybody knows, you're still the only uh, female to date that has taken a uh, water buffalo with traditional archery equipment, uh, which, to be honest, is is absolutely fantastic. Now, obviously, we're saying this. I'll probably get you know emails from somebody saying, "Well, yeah, I know somebody." Uh, I, you'll have to prove it because I, like I said, I've asked and I can't find anybody. So, you were talking about your your the the weight of your arrows and how you how you built those arrows. Um, or how Jay built the arrows and you destroyed him. Uh,
2: we, so uh, we, all have what, our uh, little place in the world, you know?
1: <laughs> well, at least you kept him busy doing something, you know? Uh, so what, what was the poundage, uh, of the longbow that you worked up to, to actually go after Buffalo with?
2: So I ended up with what, um, at a, at the, you know, standard, What's the poundage at 28 inches? Would have been a 68, 69 pound draw, but I have a really long draw, 29 to 30 inches, so it made it a 70 pound bow.
1: Now, Karen, come on, you're not going to tell me you were shooting a 70 pound bow. I mean, that, everybody says that's too it's, heavy, right?
2: It's way <laughs> too heavy, and that was that was the rule. That was the target, because the uh, the the standard was if you can't if you can't shoot a seventy pound bow, you cannot take one of these animals with a bow. And you're not allowed to just injure these water buffalo and and have them out running around, you know. Wounded. Yes, and so that's why there were no women going to Australia or to Melville Island to hunt these animals because women can't draw that kind of a bow. So when I said, yes, I'll do this, I didn't know that the common perception was a woman can't do this thing. Um, it's to. Uh, I was just like, well, yeah, I can, I can work up to anything. I just have to keep working at it. Um, So over time, Jay never told me that women can't draw a 70 pound bow.
1: Good for Jay. Good (laughs) for him.
2: He never said that to me. I kind of learned it. Like, like I said, so he's on the chat rooms. He's looking for advice and suggestions with all kinds of things, the bows, the arrows, the, you know, training, the this, the that. And about half of the feedback was so helpful. And half of it was people Who just want to say no? You can't do it. What's wrong with you? And and honestly, half the time you're just lying. And so every now and then, actually, Don Thomas would jump in on the chat rooms and and say, "No, I just saw Karen a week ago, and yes, she has worked up to a sixty-pound bow, you know, or a sixty-three-pound bow, or whatever." he would jump in and support us <laughs> from just from the whole accusations that, you know, you're, you're making it up. So it it people were we were attending every event that we could reasonably attend because we're working and we traveled all over the states to work. We do transplant. So we were traveling all around all the time. And um, we, we attended every event that we could, archery event, and people would show up and just follow me on the fun runs, you know, <laughs> just just to watch me pull the bow. And then, and then they would say, no, it's not that big of a bow. And so I'd hand my bow to them and say, here, you pull it. <laughs> it, it no, we literally, it was happening, and I didn't even get it at the time i didn't get it really that year i was so focused on me and i was i was more nervous about you know my performance than focusing on the fact that people thought there was no way my bow was whatever sure. whatever it was um so uh it was it's so crazy
1: you went you went from from 40 something pounds to 70 pounds in the course of roughly a year, but you did it in small increments by just Jay buying the next, you know, three to five pound heavier bow. And then you'd work up to that one. He'd buy another one. Correct. Yes.
2: We went through so many bows. I, I can't remember them all. Um, I remember, I remember the first one Captain Eric made for me. And I remember there were two hummingbird takedowns that they made just for me. And um, then we started, O.L. Adcock made me um, personally in his garage in Roswell, New Mexico. We drove down because uh, we were in Albuquerque. Um, he personally made me two bows. And the 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 second one he made me was the one that I got the buffalo with, Um, and uh, it it was amazing. Um, The hardest jump though was from oh god I'm trying to remember it was from like fifty seven pounds to sixty three pounds something about that because I was shooting I would shoot like three or four times a day I'd go in the backyard if if we weren't hiking and shooting, I would shoot, um, hundreds of arrows every day and nobody does that. And my chest, Oh my God, my pectoral muscles hurt, would hurt. Every breath would just hurt And your, everything you are told is it's all in your back. You know, it's your, your back muscles and your biceps in your arms and I'm telling you no for a woman it was my chest muscles I just wow it was like when I first began martial arts and I went from doing two push-ups and thinking I was gonna die to being able to drop and do 50 <laughs> <laughs> it that's what it was like <laughs> It it hurt it hurt but I knew that pain so it didn't scare me um, and I knew when to give it a day, you know, or or go lighter or whatever, but that's what it took. And I did that. Oh my gosh. I did that for a year, but I went up and and I would bring my 70 pound bow, my, my 70 pound bow to these events and I'd hand it around and everyone would try it, you know, And everyone would watch me. And and go, wow. And so the people that were screaming on the chat rooms would then not respond on the chat rooms, even though they were just there, you know, Mm -hmm. the day before. And nowadays, that's Facebook, but it wasn't 15 years ago.
0: Well, you probably so. made you probably made a lot of them feel very insecure about their poundage. is basically what I, you did, because I mean, even anybody who who talks about shooting a heavy bow today is immediately emasculated on Facebook in front of everyone. Or oh told, yeah, it's terrible. Um, you should have had them all sign it every time you had a naysayer and handed them a bow. <laughs>
1: Well you know what, and you know what's funny though and you mentioned that some people would take and and you would ask them to pull you know let them shoot the bow and I've actually had people that have come up to me said something about you know whatever bow I'm shooting you know 70 75 pound whatever and they will take the bow and they will draw that bow back I've even had some of them shoot the bow and then turn around and look at me and say I couldn't shoot that <laughs> I'm like you just did what i i don't you know i don't get that and i i've I've never understood why people just automatically say you can't do it and and you know i've been shooting the heavier bows for a long time we was talking about this you know before we started recording but i didn't pick up a 70 pound bow day one and go out and shoot it i did what you did I, i worked up over time but once i got to that point i just kept shooting that weight i don't think anything about it anymore exactly uh but it, you know, it's just it's it's. I've always found it very interesting the people that just automatically say, "You can't, you shouldn't, don't do it." Those kind of things, and the argument that I've always given them, you know, when they say, "Well, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't shoot a bow over whatever," you know, say they say sixty pounds, and you know, I, I've often asked people, "So are you telling me that you know a, an adult male shouldn't do any push-ups <laughs> or shouldn't exactly. do any, any pull-ups?" It, it it's I mean it, there's a little bit of difference there, but for all intents and purposes, it's the same muscles, and that's more weight for the average male today than than pulling a sixty pound bow back.
2: And why why not do the most just for no reason? That the so so time went by, and the attacks that poor choice of words the unhappiness of people with jay on um the in in the chat rooms um i can't even imagine what it would have been like today with facebook so the chat rooms oh i can with just (laughs) with just the the concept of okay so you know my wife you know we're she she's going to do this buffalo hunt and she has to be able to do this and I'm trying to do these errors and and like I said so a portion of people were giving good advice and good suggestions and and you know directing him towards people that had done something maybe similar or or could help and then everyone's attacking just the idea so now people are showing up at these events and following me on the little fun runs and watching my failures at every step, let me just say, nonetheless, then it, it opened up this whole new area of attack, which then showed up on the chat rooms because I am not pretty when I'm drawing a bow. I do everything wrong. I, I close my eye. I, I sight with one eye and, oh my God don't even go there. And my, my draw elbow is high and my stance is too forward. And there's a thousand things wrong with everything I'm doing, except that's why it works.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Our buddy, our buddy Ryan Gill would love talking to you about just about that, because that's something he's brought up a couple of times is he's not a, uh, a perfect form archer. He shoots the way it feels good to him. And it works. So, you know, the, as long as it works for you, uh, who, who's to say what's right or what's right or what's wrong, you know? It, and it's, I will tell you two things that you've said that, that stand out to me is one, you had the right people around you that didn't tell you, you couldn't. And two, you had the desire to make it happen. I did. I mean, and and with those two things, you know, just about anything's possible. If you've got the desire to do it and you've got the right people around you encouraging you and not telling you you can't do it, it makes all the difference in the world. Whether you're talking about, you know, shooting a traditional bow or, or running a marathon, it doesn't matter.
2: There you go.
0: Now, Karen, you were, you were used to training. So I know you were shooting a ton of arrows, and that's pretty impressive that, you know, with that weight and all that every day, and all the arrows you were breaking and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> but, but other than breaking all Jay's arrows, were you? Uh, <laughs> did you <laughs> no. did you do did you do exercises too? Like, what was your training regimen like? Like, some people will pull a bow back like ten times and hold it at draw like a heavy bow every day. You know, just okay.
2: The- so, so one of the things that when people started watching me at these events. One of the issues that popped up was in addition to I close my eye and I I my elbows high and my stance is wrong, is I hold my draw too long. So that's something Jay apparently in his previous life, people were always on him. He he does he's not a for lack of a better description, a snapshooter. Um, He draws his bow and sights, and so that's how I learned to shoot. I'd never, I'd literally, Jay taught me every single thing I know about bows. I mean, everything. So I draw and I hold, which in hindsight helped with my strength building, (laughs) And yep. and let me tell you, when you're tromping through that outback and these animals, you, you're having the stare downs that we haven't even gotten to talking about. Um, if if you're at half draw or three quarter draw, and that's when they stare at you, that's where you hold it, because if you move, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you don't move. So if you're at if you're at three quarter draw and they stare at you, you better be able to hold it because you may have already spent two hours stalking that animal. And if you move, most likely it's going to run away. But you never know if it's going to charge you. So right. Um, yeah. All of the- and
1: I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no,
2: no, that. I'm. <laughs>
1: I was just going to say, uh, and I think you know we talked about this a little bit with Jay, but I'm, I shoot the same way. I'm not a snap shooter. Now Nick is more of a, a snap shooter, and, and I can snap shoot, but it it just doesn't feel natural to me, and I I, I don't like it. I I prefer to draw, hold, focus, and then you know then release. So I definitely know where you're coming from.
2: I never could, and I wish I wish I could do both. But I never could. I just, and I, I would, I watched so many of my friends be so successful because they could do that. Um, but I, I never was able. I had to draw and hold, which apparently made me sort of a Frankenstein. <laughs>
0: You know, and everybody I've talked to that shoots that way that has to draw and hold always say they like they're envious that I don't have to do that and that I'm a short draw. But lately, everybody's telling me I need a clicker and I need a process and I need all this other stuff. And I'm like, look, it's too late for me. I'm not going back to do like it ain't going to happen. I'm like, look, yeah, I'll short draw every once in a while but for well, them
2: love me the way I am exactly yes. <laughs> I
0: mean I, I think if we all just you know had, had a little bit you know spend a little more time just dealing with ourselves and not worrying about everybody else we'd all be a little bit more better off
1: <laughs> well and that's that's what cracks me up is is how many people get so offended if you're not doing it what they consider to be the right way I, I, I've never understood that
2: and and that's that's it it's and you, you have to believe they've been spouting it or something because they're so offended if you don't... Initially, it's like, take their advice, but but then they keep on it and on it and on it. It's, it, it's like, I'm not doing badly, so why is this such a problem for you? It <laughs> just... Don't watch me. If you don't like what you see, look, turn your head.
0: (laughs) It's almost like aggressive helping or something. It's like, I found something that works for me. Let me help you. Let me help show you how this helped me, and it will help you because how could it not? And they're just so weird about it. It's like, I don't understand how this is... (laughs) It's making me question everything I learned.
2: There you go. (laughs) No, I had... (sighs) I can yes, so that was, but this evolved for me over the year that I prepared for this buffalo hunt, um, because again, at the begi- at the be- beginning of this, I was pulling only like a 40-pound bow, and it was like, okay, yeah, I'll pull a 70-pound bow, and there was a time I could drop and do 100 push-ups, okay, so that was 10 years ago, but I can do it again, <laughs> you know, And, uh, I just, I just built up, but Jay hadn't told me what the, you know, the world was like in the world of bow hunting and traditional bow hunting in, in regards to this particular issue. So I learned over time and I was really thankful for all of the years of martial arts and my, I was fanatic for about 15 years. So um, I, for that, I didn't care what people thought. I did it my way. I was successful the way I wanted to be, and I just didn't care. Uh, if people didn't like it, they could not be there. So it worked very well for me.
1: Well, that's that's the good part is once you're successful, it's much harder for people to tell you you did it wrong.
2: <laughs> and yet they did.
1: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they did. I just said it's much harder.
2: <laughs> but so then then we finally get we finally get to Melville Island for the buffalo hunt, and the very first thing, I, after, oh, I could I could go on and on. You know, getting there from Albuquerque, New Mexico. You know, it's this endless trip it never stopped it never stops and then finally we're in darwin which is the northernmost village town in australia and you have to take a little puddle jump plane flight to get to actual melville island uh, and our pilot looked like he was about 12 which didn't help because <laughs> we're flying over you know shark infested saltwater crocodile infested water for 30 minutes and he's like oh yeah I'm so happy a week ago I just got my commercial pilot's license (laughs) it's like okay (laughs) hi uh so you take forever to get there and you land and you get in this little truck and you you have hours and hours on these dirt roads and I'm climbing out of the truck at this hunting camp And I didn't even get to go to my room. They said, hey, would you put your bow together? (laughs) And they tested me, (laughs) literally tested me. And I don't blame them, I don't blame them. But yeah, I didn't even get to go to my room, put my bow together and they put a little paper plate over on a a berm, a natural berm about 30 yards away and they said, hit that.
1: Well, in all honesty, that is something that they do to everybody. Uh, That wasn't, they didn't single you out for that.
2: It, it, uh, I hit it. I hit the plate. So that was good. Well, they didn't make Jay do, they didn't make Jay do that.
1: Well, they, well, after they saw you do it, they probably figured, yeah. that He'll do it. Yeah,
2: actually. And that was pretty fair. Yeah. I was, I was with that. No, I was kind of like, I can do this. I got this. (laughs)
1: So I guess Karen, if you would, you kind of started down that that path with the the story about your your twelve year old pilot. But so walk us through walk us through your actual hunt.
2: Um, oh geez, where to begin? Um, so we got there, and this um, on day one. So it was Jay and my my husband and myself, and there was one other hunter. Um, rich king and there were the three of us and don thomas who was like half a guide and half a hunter anyway so uh we got there late in the first day and hung out at the amazing hunting camp oh my god so they had these two buildings and they're raised up on like four feet off the ground, and the underside of the buildings and the sides of the buildings are sheathed in, like, um, chain-link fencing because of the crocodiles. (laughs) So so one of the buildings was just the kitchen, like 20 by 20 foot, this big square building, and it's just the kitchen. And then a larger building has about six little rooms, wonderful, with air conditioning and fans. and, And then they have, it's attached to a, like a shower bathroom building. I was amazed. But everything's raised up. And the undersides and the sides are all sheathed with chain link because of the saltwater crocodiles because it's stationed right next to a river <laughs> where the crocodiles go up and out. So um, anyway, we got there and they had, oh God, this amazing dinner and you go to sleep. We got up. So day one is you're not allowed to shoot. They tell you right up front, you're not going to release an arrow. Day one of our five-day hunt is just about walking around, learning about the terrain and about the animals. And so you stalk buffalo all day. We stalked buffalo all day, but never even pulled out our I mean, we've carried our bows for, you know, just to get used to it, but you never knocked an arrow ever because you're watching the animals and they're teaching you about these buffalo. And the buffalo, the water buffalo there on Melville Island are absolutely amazing. It's an island, so they have to be cold a little bit. They have no natural predators except the, the young and the old have to worry about the saltwater crocodiles, but other than that, there's no predators. So uh, you can walk right up to about 40 yards and they just don't care that you're there. <laughs> I mean, they see you and they, they just don't care. Um, you start moving a little closer than that and they're watching you and they're watching you and they're staring at you. And you get, you you start coming in 20 yards and now, now they're, they're doing the stare down. And so, um, that's kind of how a hunt goes is you can, you wander around and you're looking for these big flat black backs in, in the woods, in the (gasps) shrubs and wherever in the little streams and the rivers. And, um, you can... You can get so close compared to what you can do. My personal experiences with hogs, with deer, with alligators, with turkeys, with bears, with anything here in North America, those water buffalo, you can, you feel like you're walking right up to them and they just don't care because they have no predators. And then, (laughs) then your guide says, okay, take your, your boots off. And you're like, what? So, so you take your boots off at about 40 yards. So now you're in your socks and you're kind of walking up and then, and then these animals are kind of looking at you. So the, the thing with the water buffalo is they're very curious. So they stare at you, but if their noses are kind of down at the ground in those beautiful horns are pointed more up in the air they're just curious but when they raise their noses and their their horns are laid back along their necks and their backs and they're kind of looking at you on either side of their big noses that's when they, they say they're mad um meaning they're they're not happy and that's mm-hmm. when that's when you really have to be careful so if, if their noses are up and they're, they're, you can't see their horns and they're looking at you past their nose, you need to be very careful. So on day one, all you do is you stalk these beasts and, and the guides just teach you and you stalk and you stalk and you stalk. So the other thing they drill into our heads is... These are not North American animals. You cannot take a quartering-on shot. It's not going to slip between their ribs. Their ribs overlap. They're inches thick. Their skin is an inch and a half thick. You have to hit them broadside. You have to hit them just above the front elbow. I mean, barely. Like, And that's why it was the, the paper plate. There's this little dinner plate size sweet spot that you can hit a lung or the heart and other than that it's not a guarantee and basically the idea is you have to be 20 yards or less so you have to be 20 yards or less with this animal broadside no sort of their butts towards you shots absolutely like the side of a barn and they they like beat it into your heads so they make you do the stock over and over and over and over on day one so that was day one and i thought i was gonna die at the end of that day i was so tired i'd done this like five times and it takes hours hours you walk up to them 40 yards you're fine and then it takes you an hour and a half to get to 20 yards (laughs) and they just You know, the guides do this all the time. So we did it over and over and over on day one. So day two, we go out and you're allowed to shoot. And oh my God, I, so I missed my first one and I spooked my second one by stepping on a twig so day two I was out with so Jay and I were there with one other hunter and day two they had me with Rich King Um, Jay was off with another guide and we found animals in the morning and then and then we had hours and hours and hours and we, we couldn't find any buffalo which was very unusual these these herds are so easy to locate so it's three or so in the afternoon and we see some and we're miles away from the truck we've been walking for hours and hours and hours and we see some and it's actually rich king's turn to stock and he said no you go ahead karen you you take this one and I, I wanted to smack him because I, so <laughs> I was so tired. I was so tired. I can't even tell. I mean, I I could go on and on about how you once you're close to these animals, you're you, they stare at you. They they teach you about the stare downs. Once you're close to them, they they turn these enormous heads towards you and they stare at you and they don't blink. And you feel like they're not breathing. And then They'll kind of walk towards you, and they get so close, and they're like ten yards away, and they're, you can hear them breathing, and you can hear the like the stuff dripping out of their nose and hitting the ground, and and you you can't even stand up and snap shoot them because you, they're not broadside, and then they turn around. And you've got their whole butt, but you can't because you have to be literally broadside. And they're so close and you can't take a shot. So I was so tired, but Rich gave me that stock and we did it. And about, I don't know, six o'clock, quarter to six, I was able to take a shot. And let me tell you, that was after... My legs were numb. My arms were numb. I'd been staring at this animal for hours. He, he'd walk in close and walk away. So my guide, who I love dearly, Brad, with the big gun. so you're not allowed to do this unless you have an, an Australian guide with a really big, like, elephant gun. Um, he's up there. He's been whispering. He's been sitting, kneeling. Now for two hours and he's whispering to me how his legs are completely numb. And I'm like, oh, that's great. (laughs) So finally everything comes together and I get to take my shot. And I took my shot and this buffalo leaps like five feet in the air and bolts. I mean, just bolts. And Brad, who told me his legs were numb, jumps up. And runs after. And remember, we're, we're in our socks now because we've taken off our boots an hour, two hours ago. And we're racing, racing through the woods after this injured buffalo. And now we find all the buffalo we couldn't find for hours because there's herds of them watching us run by. <laughs> and we we're racing... And Brad located my buffalo, who was down, but he wasn't completely out. Um, And that's very bad to be around an injured beast that's the size of a VW bus. So Mm -hmm. we, and the sun was going down, and we were miles from the truck, and after we got to the truck, we were miles from camp and there's no light. I can't even tell you how dark there's no light. So Brad GPS, the spot and we came back in the morning and that was the worst night of my life. (laughs) Wondering if that Buffalo was going to be there the next morning.
1: Every hunter has felt Mm -hmm. that,
2: but there he was.
1: And I've seen, uh, pictures and I'm sure I'll use one of those photos for, uh, Promoting the pod, this this episode, but it was a nice Cape Buffalo, or excuse me, I keep calling it Cape Water Buffalo. Um, and <laughs> no problem. I, I, I've got, so I'm sitting here thinking my, my buddy Tom, who's also a, a co host from time to time on the show, he's actually headed to uh, Australia uh, oh. in a few months um, to hunt water buffalo. And he just hunted uh, Africa for Cape buffalo, and that's I, I keep slipping up and saying Cape buffalo, but I know it's I know it was water buffalo, but it was it was a very impressive animal. It was it was definitely not a cull.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. There, well, there. It, and uh, I under I've read and I've spoken with so many hunters, and it's different on what I would call the continent because they have more area to Rome and melville island has its own unique environment um, with lots of very tall skinny trees i can't even explain it and then sh- like the the, sh- the ground growth grows up about three or four feet and then there's these tall skinny trees and so you walk through this these like woods And you, you see a little herd and you see their black backs and, you know, you'll see five or six of these black backs out there. (laughs) It's just crazy. And so when we were running after my buffalo, we passed like three of these little herds and their heads would come up, but their noses didn't come up because we weren't running directly at them. So there were these, beautiful lyre like you know horns kind of pointed up but all in the same direction it was like a movie or something you know they're all tracking i felt like i was a tennis ball you know and they were watching me go back and forth and um it was it was crazy
1: well i can't imagine and like i said i know i know tom is going to to eat this up and i can't i can't wait to hear how his how his hunt and adventure goes i get to uh I get to hunt hogs in South Carolina with him uh, in two weeks now, so uh, I'm sure it'll be a a, a a big part of the conversation we have around the campfire. And so there, um, but I, I do want to shift gears because we're we we we've been marching on here, uh, Karen, and I don't want to keep you too much longer, but. Um, so I know you're into another uh, pastime that I got Nick hooked on this year that that I really enjoy, and I'd like to talk to you a few minutes about that. Uh, and that's that's uh, fly fishing. So, you know, when did uh, when did you really get into fly fishing? Was that before you got into shooting the traditional bow, or after?
2: After, after. So um, um, Don and Lori Thomas um, invited Jay and I out of nowhere to go with them on one of their trips fly fishing trips to los roques venezuela and while both of us had piddled around a little bit with fly fishing we effectively no we we knew nothing about it and so this was oh i don't know 2010 june something anyway so (laughs) So um we're like wow maybe we should learn something about fly fishing before we show up in one of the premier locations for bone fishing and uh we actually know Flip Pallet he is a friend of one of our hunting lease mates uh, actually several of them but specifically Don Davis um Anyway, everyone decided that, that Flip Pallet would be the best guy to give us a crash course in fly fishing before we went to Los Rocas. So um, we ended up in Titusville um, in front of something like a library, I don't know, on this beautiful grassy lawn um, in between very busy roadways. So Flip's teaching us to cast And people are driving by and hollering at us and whatever. So that was our big introduction to fly fishing. And after that trip, um, by the way, I totally sucked at fly fishing when I was in Venezuela. Um, After that trip, we started taking our fly fishing gear everywhere we went. Um, even when we weren't hunting we were just traveling for business because it's small and portable and we could and so we were fly fishing all over the states Um, and that's that's kind of how it evolved and now we're here in the berry islands which is actually a bone fishing destination all by itself
1: nick you still with
0: us yeah i'm still with you I okay,
1: I, I was gonna let you jump in with something if you wanted to ask anything about the fly fishing.
0: Yeah, there was you just said so much there. I was fascinated. I'm, so,
2: I'm sorry. I told you I I
0: <laughs> Jay did the same thing to me, he mesmerized me, and then I. And then I couldn't say anything.
2: <laughs> oh I I, I I can keep talking. I can talk only. Well, no Karen,
0: <laughs> So Karen, as a newbie fly fisher, what was the what was the hardest thing to learn for you?
2: So for me, it's stripping. I, I, I don't strip well. I don't strip well. And, you know, but, but I manage to work with it and get around it. <laughs> but I, I can cast, uh, but I, oh you know, I can, I can put that fly out there, but I can't, you know, I'm not very good at it, but I love to do it. So,
0: so, yes. so do you do a lot of tie in too or, or no?
2: No, no. We haven't gotten there and both of what's what's interesting is both Jay's father and my father were fly fishermen, very successful fly fishermen who tied their own flies. And um, we have some of their equipment and um, some friends of ours on the Huntingleys, Don Davis and then Chip Turknet, their fathers also were the same, and we all we still talk about writing something together called the flies of our fathers because we all have flies our fathers tied in their their gear and their. St- Stuff and their stories, but it just hasn't quite come together. Oh, I... I... But- isn't, isn't that oh, cool the I, flies yeah, of our Yeah, it, it gave me chills. <laughs> cool. I really, really hope <laughs> that you guys write that.
0: Because <laughs> I will wouldn't, definitely buy it.
2: <laughs> that would be, wouldn't it be just too much? I'm going to so, have to start sending yeah. you
0: people messages and stuff like weekly to say, hey, you know that book you were uh, going to write? Yeah, you should probably write that. There you and go. you should probably write, <laughs> and you should you probably write yes. the other one too, Archer's Paradox I'll, for Jay. I'll just keep, I'll just oh, keep pestering both of you guys oh, <laughs> until you guys finish
2: it. <laughs> but, I... I want to, that's all Jay and I really want him to do that. So it's not just you; it's me. I'm with you. I'm with you guys. You know, the three of us we can we can get together on that. That
0: sounds really cool, though. Um, I love hearing about you know I I the this, bow hunting nostalgia. I've always loved that. Um, but the fly fishing stuff, like I there's a couple people on Instagram I follow that talk about their um, their dad fly fishing, and there's this one. Um, lady in particular, redheaded angler who, um, actually recently dug out her, her dad's diary from fly from because he passed recently. Well, he, she, she, Uh her dad kept a detailed journal of every fly trip he ever took. And she's been fanning the pages out and, and quoting the pages, you know, inserts from the pages. And it's this beautiful handwritten calligraphy in this journal and, oh. oh, it just gets me. I mean, I just eat it up. It, it's so, there's something about the 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 old fishermen and just the, the romance of fly fishing. It was the same thing that drew me to bow hunting, um, reading mm-hmm. those old stories like that. And there's just something about that family element too, you know, like it's almost like you're going back in time and like meeting somebody for the first time, maybe a side of them you didn't know.
2: Well, I can remember, I mean, so uh, my, my father was a fighter pilot, Air Force Colonel, 30 year fighter pilot. Um, But uh, so the longest time growing up, I was ever anywhere was, we were in Virginia for about seven years from three years old to 10 years old. So we went camping a lot then. And we would go camping to the whole family to the Smoky Mountains there if we didn't have much time but every summer we went up to Canada and uh, primitive camped and dad fly fished he was always at my images of m- my father when i was little is him yes, rowing out in a john boat somewhere or him in his waders wading out in a stream and i have this very specific memory i must have been 8 years old And we were in the Smoky Mountains, some beautiful stream in the woods. And he was out in the water and I was crawling up and down the banks and leaning over more than I should. And I remember him looking at me and saying, don't fall into that hole. You know, there was this deep spot. He said, I can't go get you because my waders will fill with water and I will drown too. And it was just so funny. I I remember uh, it was like a physics lesson, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I'm eight years old, and I was like, I had to think my way through. Yeah, he's got these big buckets strapped to his body, and if they fill with water, he's going to go down, you know. And, of course, he wasn't telling me he wouldn't try to help me, but he was saying, don't be stupid.
0: (laughs) What he was really telling you is that there was a huge brown in that hole, and he didn't want you to spook it. (laughs) (laughs)
2: exactly totally exactly exactly you know
0: um, the other thing Karen is you know as you've been talking you know I I can't help but notice is man you've had some great mentors you and Jay both I mean you got Flip you got Don Thomas I mean that it it just that's that's just incredible and it just shows that no matter where you are in life or who you are a mentor is so important to get you past the humps oh yeah um but yeah that's just it's just the whole element that's just a really cool element to the story um you can never meet enough people or learn from people and you never stop um if you're open to it anyway but and then sometimes they help you at really key moments um yes. but man I, I, that's that's you know that's pretty incredible to look back and say that you know don thomas and Flip palette helped you through some some uh some of your greatest memories it's neat
2: yes and and laurie thomas was yep and laurie always there and there were there's so many people and women that i i'm horrible with names um that were there that were supporting me that were positive when I was and I met most of them at these events where generally it was I was surrounded by people going that's stupid you're not doing that I don't think your bows that great you know all of that stuff um there were so many women I wish I could remember all their names um and and men but you know I'm trying to do the whole you know women thing here <laughs> you know that's that's so, happening
0: though i mean you know for the michigan longbow association um one of the things that we've kind of tried to do as an organization in the last few years is that we've noticed there were so many women and wives on the and girlfriends on the sidelines that you know we're back at camp hanging out you know while the while the guys shot or or whatever, doing their own thing, because most of the time you get to an event and, and all of a sudden, you know, the guys, well, they gone, you know, you know they're going off and doing their yes. thing. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of women reading and, and knitting and, and doing, you know, or watching kids or doing certain things, but we're, you didn't see that many of them on the course unless, you know, the whole family went out out of the course. And so we had a couple, um, champions that kind of, you know, we we pushed them a little bit and encouraged them to try to get to try to gather these ladies together and get them on the courses more and show them that they could do their own thing and get together and do their own thing. And we started the um, like we had the Sherwood Challenge. We started the Maid Marion shoot, um, yeah. So that so that they could compete and and not feel it wasn't that they couldn't compete in the Sherwood Challenge, but you know any, there, there's a degree, anybody would understand that there's a degree of um, being, you know, there's a little bit of apprehension there. You know, I'm not... I-
2: there is. No, there's, there's absolutely. And I, you know, I personally had my whole martial arts experience and just never cared. But I know so many women would love to... Have an environment where they're comfortable, just messing around, and it doesn't matter if they're good or they're not, or how long mm-hmm. it takes them. Oh my God! I think when Jay, when I first picked up that boat, I must—it must have taken me twenty tries to get the arrow to actually go straight out in front of me, and I didn't care. I just—I was there just with Jay, you know. It was just the two of us, and so it didn't matter. And Jay was. Never, He never cared how I performed. He didn't care. So I never had to worry about that. But, but some people do, and, or some people think they do have to worry about that. So it, what you're talking about, uh, trying to create an environment where the, the, the women in the background, the women in the sidelines are more comfortable playing with it, trying it just so they it, it for no other reason, just so they understand it more um, is wonderful and I think that's amazing.
0: Yep we've even gotten our um, the stick Talk publication now actually um, Tracy Belowski as Angel Riverbose is one of the kind of the champions who kind of you know jumped in there and she even writes a column now for the Lady Archers of the MLA um but Good. we you know one of the tricks was i mean cuz i don't I, if you're if you're one of two women on a line with 50 sweaty guys shooting at far away target butts you know like you said some people don't care about that but they're that apprehension is easier eliminated if you just we just dedicated one target to the ladies so they were all down at one target and they were competing against each other but everybody else is shooting too at the same time and that really that really did a lot of good that really brought a lot of confidence out in some people but it's just it's so refreshing to see that now when you go to the events that all of a sudden there's a group there's a group of lady archers who are just out there all over the place and you know you didn't see that five years ago um it really it's really fun Whoa. to see um but yes. that, that makes your story even more special because and we're so happy that we got to record you talking about it because it's like here you did this seem seemingly impossible thing
2: <laughs> you know like, it i look i look back now and i'm just like i can't believe i did that but at the time i i did though i i, I have to say wow that night like i said the worst night one of the worst nights of my life I was so exhausted the stalking was so exhausting it was like I don't think I can do anymore that that beast must be there when we get back and I wow. yeah I don't
0: know if I'd have made it 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> I'd got a, i I'd no, got it i i got it a, like a, a butt cramp or something i don't know what would have <laughs> it, no, it, it was no
2: but i it, what what you're talking about with the gals i think is great um i i think it's wonderful and um i you know i never i never no one ever was saying oh trying to say no one directly ever said oh you're a girl you can't do this but there's always that that thing you're you're not strong enough you're not tough enough you 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 know my biggest honestly my biggest challenge was always I'm afraid of big animals I (laughs) part of my my personal training for the buffalo hunt I would Jay had to walk with me into cow pastures cuz I was afraid to walk up to cows and cow pastures. I mean, and so I that's that was my biggest problem was the animals and I I know these women are afraid to say those things because you're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to say, I'm, I'm afraid of a herd of pigs. You know, I'm afraid I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm afraid I'm going to embarrass you. I'm, 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 a, I'm afraid I'm not going to be good enough, you know, and uh, you just have to really not care if you're not good enough. For who? Mm-hmm. So that's the question. Who? Are, who, who? You're not going to be good enough for who, you know? So, and Jay was always, I I never had to, I never had to worry about that with him. And that made all the difference. So, so if you're out there providing an example for these other people who have spouses who think they might not be good enough, you know, good for you.
1: Well, I was going to say, again, good for Jay. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... um, you know, I wish, I hear so many people, in fact, i am actually got a a, a a friend that, well, Nick knows him as well, Jerry. I'm going to try to record a few episodes with him. But, you know, uh, the antelope hunt that I did a few years back, and now since I've done the antelope hunt, I've been back to Wyoming to hunt again. And I put that off for over 30 years just because I always found an excuse <laughs> why I couldn't do it. And after hearing Jerry, and if I could just, so many people I hear say things like that, and it's just, God, I wish I could just tell them, you can do it. You just have to, you have to make the commitment, and you have to say, I'm going to make this happen. And, you know, most people can accomplish a lot if they just will get out of their own way. Yes. So, well, Karen, we've managed to keep you tied up for a good bit over an hour. Um, it has been absolutely wonderful. I really do appreciate you taking the time to to join us tonight. Um, it's It's been fantastic. And, uh, again, thank you Indeed. so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: And I'm sure we'll be talking to you again. And you know, I, I'm still waiting on. Uh, well, Nick and I both are still waiting on the book, so we're gonna keep pressing <laughs> oh, you guys you. on that. And, <laughs> and 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 I'm waiting on the next chapter in in yours and Jay's bow hunting life because I know I know I know it's gonna bite Jay again. I, I was asking him about it a couple weeks ago, but we're gonna sit back and we're gonna wait for that to happen, and we'll we'll find a way to get y'all back on here after that next adventure. Okay? We
2: have our bows, so. It could
1: happen. We'll uh, maybe next time we'll we'll get you both it's, on here together. It's
2: probably
0: gonna be the recreation
1: the recreation
0: of the Howard Hill underwater shark hunt. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there, there you go. There you go. Well Karen you you have a good you have a good evening for uh, for all of our listeners. We hope you've enjoyed this as much as Nick and I have. Thank you so much. And don't forget to get out and leave us a five-star rating and review and get entered for the drawing that we're doing uh, somewhere around the end of March. So until next time, take care, everyone. Good night.